Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we are very excited to be talking to Myrna Valerio. Myrna is a runner, adventurer, speaker, and anti-racism educator. She's a native of Brooklyn, New York. She's a former educator and cross-country coach. She's an ultra-marathoner and author of the Amazon best-selling memoir, A Beautiful Work in Progress. In 2008, Myrna started her blog, Fat Girl Running, about her experiences as a larger woman in a world of thinner endurance athletes while training for her first marathon. Her athletic story has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Runner's World, on NBC, CNN, everywhere, and in the viral documentary short, The Myrnavator. In 2018... Myrna was chosen as a National Geographic Adventurer of the Year. She's the mom of a son who's age 17, going on 55, as Myrna just told us. And she currently lives and trains in Vermont. Welcome, Myrna. Thank you for having me on your show. Wow, that was a big bio, Myrna. We didn't expect a lot from you. That was like a hardcore bio. You better really be coming to deliver some knowledge. Uh, today. The pressure's on, I guess. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit just about your journey into this life you now lead, which has many, many aspects, but like your running journey. When did you start running? How did you become a runner? And and kind of where has it taken you? Sure. Uh, do we have a couple of hours for this? Or I was going to say, <laughs> I realize that's kind of a large question, but you know, if, if you had to explain it in a tweet. In a tweet. <laughs> That's funny. I I actually, um, I started running in high school to get better at the sports that I played, which were field hockey and lacrosse. And then so I'm going to fast forward. That was in 1989 and just fell in love with running after high school and college, just kind of recreationally and just for my own personal fitness. And then, and I continued that throughout my early adulthood. And then in 2003, I had a baby who was now 17. That happens somehow, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also 6'4 now. <laughs> which is That's always surprising. Crazy. My my sister-in-law has a kid who's 6'5, and I, I just look at them together and I'm like, that came out of your body, that gigantic person. Exactly. I'm like, how did that come out of me? And so, yeah, I, in 2003, had him and then got married in 2000. I forget. I always forget <laughs> that part. <laughs> oh, that part. <laughs> and decided that I didn't want to teach music anymore because I was a music teacher at the time. So I decided to, you know, sort of uproot my life and move down to Maryland and start teaching Spanish. And that 
really, really changed my life because all of a sudden I had to drive everywhere. And, you know, I'm not one into I'm not I don't, I don't do diet culture. I don't I don't do just, you know, weight loss for the sake of changing my body for someone else's aesthetic preferences. We don't either. But if I gained a lot of weight, you know, when I was down there because it was very stressful. My husband stayed in New York doing his job. And then I was in Maryland with my baby, with my one and a half year old at that point. And with no family around, with a very, very stressful job. And so I decided to leave that job and move up to New Jersey. I was teaching at a boarding school. I was in grad school. And I was also teaching on the weekends in Maryland. I would go back to Maryland and teach my private students. Um, so on the way back from one of those trips, I thought I was having a heart attack because I had chest pains and <laughs> decided instead of calling 911 that I would keep driving. <laughs> Not the smart thing to do. And had a friend take me to the hospital and eight hours later because it takes eight hours to go through all the testing so they can observe you uh, they told me that I had not been having a heart attack that I was having a panic attack but that I should still follow up with a cardiologist to, to you know just to rule out anything cardiac related but I, I do remember telling the the doctor that told me that I was having a panic attack or that I had been having a panic attack that um, I was like black people don't have panic attacks I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> So, and he was like, what? Was he like, I don't think that's medically sound, actually. <laughs> uh, he was like, uh, ma'am, yeah, that sounded like a panic attack. You know, and then I realized that, like, I had very poor dental health, very poor uh, sort of emotional health. Um, I wasn't moving like I normally did because, I, you know, running had been such a big part of my life and I wasn't even doing that. And so I, I go to this cardiologist. But when he asked me, he was like, so how old is your son? I say, he's five. And he goes, well, do you want to see him grow up? Wow. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I mean, you have to say it like that. <laughs> but that was it. That was all I needed to hear. That was all I needed to hear. And uh, he was like, I'm going to need you to change your lifestyle. I'm going to need you to start sleeping again because I wasn't sleeping. I'm going to need you to lose a couple of pounds. I'm going to need you to, to reprioritize your life. And so the very next day, I got back on my treadmill. Wow. And was that it? Was it a straight line from there or was it? It was a straight line from there. It was an absolute, it, like I never looked back. You had a conversion experience. Yeah, I never looked back. It was extraordinarily cathartic. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. So what does that look like for you? You're running how many days a week? You're doing what else in your lifestyle to kind of respond to this conversion experience that you've had? Sure. Yeah, I love how you call it a conversion experience. I'm big on the conversion <laughs> experience. I have the Caravaggio <laughs> painting, Paul Falls from the Horse. Paul falling from the Horse. It right. It's one of my favorite themes in life is people who have conversion experiences. I've had a couple of them myself. And there's something very powerful about it. And I think uh, we give a lot of advice, but one of the pieces of advice that I give to people is lean into the conversion experience. Like there's nothing more powerful than the fervor of the convert. And that I like when people answer that call and because it does change their lives almost always for the better. Yeah, definitely for the better. And like, and, I, and as I said, I have not looked back and that was 2008. So that very next day I got on my treadmill and I, you know, I had been a runner. I had been an athlete and I, I hate this phrase falling off the wagon because, you know, what, what the hell is the wagon? Right. There is no <laughs> wagon. Horse. You fall off the horse. <laughs> I know it's metaphorical, but what is it? What is it in real life? So I just got back to it. And that very first mile back, it was 17 minutes and 45 seconds. Oh, wow. And it was very painful, not just physically painful, but very emotionally painful, very spiritually painful, because I had gotten to this point where it was painful to do a mile and a mile previously for me had been very easy. And, I, and I've, I've always been slow, right? I've always I've never been able to run 
faster than a 1034 mile. And that's, you know, but I was a still faster than mine. I've run two marathons. I've never beaten an 11 minute mile, See, you know, and, and, but I was okay with that. Right. And so, and I was, I knew that I was strong. I knew that I could run. I was a varsity athlete in high school for like four years for each sport. And so like, I knew I was an athlete, but you know, I decided that I was like, you know what, this is where I am. I cannot do anything about this moment right now, but I can do things about the future moment. And so I did that mile I did another mile the next day. I maybe took the following day off and then I got back on the treadmill and did another mile and I did that for a couple of weeks. And I knew it would take a long time to get back to a place where I was like, okay, you know, I remember how to do this. I know how to do this. And it Mm -hmm. it took about three weeks. And then I started sleeping better. And then I just naturally shifted things in my day to make sure that I could get that mile in. Then I started adding things like I would do a crunch video or a beach body video or, a, you know, a Tybo <laughs> video. Remember Tybo? I Tybo and yeah. We all Tybo. And um, what was his name? Billy, Billy Hip Blanks? Hop Billy Banks, Blanks, right? Blanks. Billy Blanks. <laughs> yep. Come on. We were all there. We were kicking and punching yep, right next yep. to you. I did hip hop abs. I did everything <laughs> with Sean T. You know, I did Pio. I did... Everything that I could get my hands on, in addition to running, I did. It just became my lifestyle. It just became what I did. That became your lifestyle, Marina, right? And Mm -hmm. then I feel like that became your work. That You saw that people needed to understand that they have a right to show up in places like the 5K or the hip-hop abs class, no matter what size they are, right? No matter what their fitness level is, they Mm -hmm. don't have to wait until they're thin and beautiful to do this stuff. It it wasn't my intention. Hmm. Hmm. My intention was just to do what I do. And I, I might have you know, feelings <laughs> or some trepidation about going into a class, but I'm going to go into the class because ultimately I'm doing that for myself. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for yeah. anybody else. I'm doing it for myself because I need to be here. And I think that is what people saw. And like, I wasn't writing for anyone else. I was writing for myself. I was sharing my story, but I was like, here's what I'm doing. And here's how I dealt with this fear. Here's how I, know, but I, let, I just let the fear live in me because that's what I needed to do. The fear being the fear that you wouldn't accomplish it. The fear that all of it, all of everything, it. every voice that was like, it's it's not going to work out. It's, it's right. over. We maybe have several thousand people listening who are exactly in that space where they are. They've had a baby. They've had three babies. They're home. They're really out of shape. They probably remember a world in which they were either a high school athlete or someone who went out dancing or, you know, especially during the pandemic, I found for myself, I'm a person who's always been kind of wavering through different levels of fitness. And I I think that moment is so identifiable where you're just kind of back on the couch like, oh, no, there's no way back from where I am right now. Right. Too late. It's too late for me. And you know what? I think I think we can have those moments and we should acknowledge that we do. Right. We all have those moments. Um, And, you know, I actually had a couple of those moments as I was recovering from knee surgery this summer. Mm, Um, mm. But the cool thing is that I did have these reference points. You know, I was, you know, I am an athlete. I know I'm an athlete. I know I can be strong. I know I can, I know I can run a marathon or an ultra marathon. I know I can climb mountains. I know I can do this. Maybe I can't do it right this minute, but I know I can. And so I'm going to work towards that. It won't be the same experience. Maybe I won't be able to, you know, run a mile in 1034 yet, but I can work Mm -hmm. towards it. And I think 
yeah, I, I love the idea of having that cathartic experience and or like having that experience where you're just you're observing yourself. Um, and it's what we do with that observation that matters. And I think there's a path to something better because I like what you're saying is like you took the time to come back and you let yourself live in whatever a 17 minute mile for a while without being like this at this point it's I'm, I'm too worthless to invest in myself anymore because I'm too far from my goal it's a little bit of your best every day and that's a pathway to a new place absolutely and you know I also think that our current societal norms and diet culture and, and the whole weight loss culture is a huge culprit because they sell these things as hacks, right? Hacks to being fit, hacks to losing weight or whatever it is that you want to do that you sign up to do when you are invested in diet culture and weight loss culture. There is no hack. I mean, the only hack is doing the work, right? Doing the work on yourself every day or every other day, but consistently. And then also having the long view. I believe in having the long view. Look, I'm still a big girl. <laughs> it's going to be a big girl. And my long view, my overarching goal is long-term health and wellness. What am I doing to put long-term health and wellness in the bank for later? What am I doing today to ensure that I have long-term health and wellness? If it's a 10-minute workout, if it's a five-minute meditation, you know, so that I can be calm throughout the day or at least for the first hour of the day. Or five minutes of the day sometimes. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with more of Myrna. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? Say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
Okay, we're back. Myrna, I want to talk about an article of yours that really spoke to me. It was in Self Magazine, and it was about this idea of aid stations in a race. One thing that's lovely about running is that it is chock full of good life metaphors. And the biggest one that I repeat all the time on the podcast is that I was never a high school athlete. I mean, I pick last for every team my whole life. But at a certain <laughs> point, I just was like, I'm going to get out and do some something for myself. And one of the metaphors I talk about all the time on the podcast is next lamppost that I was like, I know I can't make it another mile, but I know I can make it to the next lamppost. And that for moms, right, like that is a metaphor that just still occurs to me every day. Like, I know I can't get three kids from here to college, but I know I can get through today and breaking down in these small parts. But this other metaphor that I discovered from you is about aid stations and like this ability to go to a station in a run and people say, what do you need? And asking for help. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because that it really moved me. So I had this incredible experience at a race once. Uh, It was the Havilena 100 100k race. <laughs> I mean, we can't even stop for long enough on like what it what that is cuz we got to talk about things that are helpful to mom, but come on. That's 60 miles, Myrna? This well, okay, it's 62 miles and it's a loop course. So I think it was like 16 mile loops or something similar or maybe 15 and a half mile loops. And I was on my third loop and I was having a lot of trouble. So I get to the main aid station out in the middle of the desert in Arizona. Oh, oh and you're in the desert. And it's cold. <laughs> right. right. And I'm in a desert. It's cold. This is not what we're putting in your path. Please don't start <laughs> running around in the desert. Please do. It's amazing. One mile on a treadmill but was, first. <laughs> I mean, do, but don't start yeah, with yeah, 100K. Don't start with 100K please. because that's, that's, not that's ridiculous. I trained a lot for this. So you're right. If you want to get there, we support you. But we're just saying, don't just drop everything and get so inspired you're running around <laughs> in the desert. Well, here's please. another metaphor. You got to train for stuff. You got to get ready. You got to prepare yourself, yes. right? I'd prepared, but I hadn't prepared for the fact that my headlamp was going to go out (laughs) in the middle of the desert with a bunch of saguaro cacti. But, you know, so I get to this aid station and I'd had all these experiences. I couldn't find my way because my headlamp was out. But someone actually said, hey, what do you need? You know, while I was out there, do you need an extra headlamp? Do you need this little lamp that I have in my pack that I haven't been using? Right. And I was like, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I, and that helped me get to the aid station, right? So that was the first time I accepted help on that run. And so I get to the aid station, sit down, and I am ready to, I wasn't ready to quit, but I was, I needed to rest. I needed to sit down. I needed to kind of zone out for a little bit. And so I sat by the fire. They had a fire going because it was like 35 degrees in the desert. And, um, yeah, right. And, and, um, cushy. You know, I was just having this sort of like outer body experience. I just hallucinated. I thought javelinas were, uh, coming after me because I heard roaring in the desert, but it turned out to be cars racing. And and then, so I sat down and one of the aid station volunteers came up to me. He's like, what do you need? And I I didn't even know what I needed. (laughs) And they said, I'm going to go get you some chicken broth. Okay, great. And so they went and got me chicken broth and I took that and I immediately started coming to life. What else do you need? Uh, Maybe some ginger. Mm. Brought me over some ginger. Uh, What else do you need? Um... New socks. Do you need some potato chips? Do you need some food? And so it was just this repeated sort of onslaught of what do you need? And I had to answer. I had to have an answer. Right. And it was so cool for someone to finally see that I needed help 
and offer that help. And I was in a position to take it because I had to. In order for me to continue, I had to accept that help. And we put in the path of our listeners who may not find themselves in a 35 degree desert at mile 40 something of a race in the middle of the night being chased by hallucinations. That the metaphor here is that the unbelievable gift of saying to yourself, I do need help. And yes, let me that's it. name the help that I need. Like what a valuable thing, because we may not have people walking up to us and saying, what help do you need? But mm. we can still take something from this, which is, are we prepared to name our needs? Or are we kind of stuck in the place where we're like, no one ever helps me and I have to do it alone and I blah, 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 blah. It's like step one is saying that, you know, it's okay to accept the casserole and the neighbor brings it and say thank you because you do need help. But this is taking it another level. It's calling your neighbor and like, I, I need you right now. Can you help me with this? And, you know, then maybe doing the same for her. But yeah, being ready with that list of this is this is what I yeah, need. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I've, you know, as a as an entrepreneur now, I've had to learn as part of being a business person, asking for help because I cannot do everything myself and when I do try to do everything myself, it <laughs> goes to hell. <laughs> Hmm. Or, you know, maybe not business wise, but like I don't get sleep and then, you know, then I'm filled with anxiety and then, you know, I may get the work done, but like it doesn't help me right. as a person. It helps my business, but it doesn't help me. And, and it is hard for us. We have a strong self-identity as people who can take care of ourselves, a hard one self-identity, you know? I mean, for women, it is a huge part of our identity. Like we do it and we take care of people. My sister's a distant swimmer and she wrote a piece that I'll, I'll try to link to about being rescued by a lifeguard at some point. And it, it's such a similar story, mm. like that mm. this person was carrying her out of the water and being like, you are okay, I've got you. And this feeling washed over her of like, how rarely do I have this experience of someone literally holding me and saying, you are worth saving and I am here to do that job. Can I carry that metaphor one step further? Please, we're way down the metaphor track, guys. Let's just keep going. Let's see where we can take this thing. What I love about it is like, you know, that your sister, the lifeguard, carried her out of the water and she was saved and we are worthy of being saved. And in Myrna's story, what takes it even a step further for me is she was saved by the ginger and the potato chips and then she got up and she finished running a 60-mile race. Like, you are saved so that you can continue Mm. to do the impossible things that you're doing. Such a good point, Amy, because that's exactly right. You're not just saved like the princess from the tower. It's someone coming and putting you back on your feet so you can keep going. That's a very, very good point. Oh, I love it. I love it. Man, guys, we just knocked this metaphor out of the park. We could just keep going. And going but you know what? I think we also have to, you know, as as parents, we have to give our children those skills. Because, you know, I didn't have oh, that for skill sure. of asking for help because I was always expected to do it myself. Yeah. And so learning those skills as, as adults <laughs> is very, very difficult. So why not teach those skills to our kids? Oh, I want to say something more about that, but I'm going to have us break and then we'll come right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It 
adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, just continuing on this idea, because I think it's so important that like, I feel like a lot of the messages that we get now are like, your kids aren't gritty enough. They're, they're spoiled. They're not, you know, you do everything for them and they don't have any grit. Everyone needs grit. Here's 46 books about grit that I do think that this idea of like also showing our kids that like we try really hard and we stumble sometimes and we fall back sometimes that the lesson of getting up off the couch to me is so much more valuable than the lesson of like, we never failed. We always just strived and performed. I have so many thoughts about this. First of all, like, and, and in terms of failure, I, I hate that acronym, first attempt at learning <laughs> or first attempt in learning because, you know, it takes away the, I think people try to take away the bad feelings about failure and failure feels bad. It feels bad. But if we have the skills to say, okay, this is a failure, this like was really a fail and it feels awful, but I'm going to get up and try again. I think we have to acknowledge that, that failure feels bad and it is bad, you know, yeah. in a world that expects us to be perfect all the time. Yeah. But in terms of teaching kids that it's okay to ask for help mm -hmm. is really important. I, you know, I was a teacher for 18 years. And private schools and private schools. I don't I don't really know about public schools as much and, and what the culture there is. But in private schools, there is an expectation that kids will ask for help and that they will say, hey, can I see you for extra help after school? Can I schedule a time during your office hours so that we can work through this problem? And it's such a beautiful culture. And it's all you know, it's it's a certain entitlement to asking for help that I don't think is built into other educational arenas. I agree with that. I didn't do that. I didn't ask a teacher for help until I was in college. 
college because you know I didn't yeah I didn't learn that as a younger child. Yeah, it's a great model. And then and then you well then you get to college and then all these young adults don't know how to ask for help and they they don't right. know that they're entitled to that. And that's why we have office hours mm-hmm. and that's why you can make an appointment with a professor to ask questions. And I would love to see that in the greater culture. I think that's very true that in public schools, that's not something that well, now, especially in the whole like homeschooling region or remote learning, I'm supposed to call it people don't like it when I call it homeschooling. But in remote learning, it, it's very like your mom will help you with this or your teacher will help you with this. But the idea of kind of self-advocating is something that we're a little lacking on. Very, very lacking. Can I ask you, Myrna, how did you talk to your son when he was younger about fitness and how can we talk to our kids about fitness in a way that makes them feel sort of powerful and motivated and I, I don't know and not not sort of guilt them into like you need to do this it's another thing you need to do well you know it's we never really had conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> about it I mm-hmm. just went out and did stuff mm-hmm. and I took him with me and you know I, I didn't talk about oh how I you know I, I want to lose weight well actually I will tell you that just a few months ago I made a comment about my body to myself but my son overheard me And he's been listening to me do podcast interviews, talk about my book, talk about my life, my whole story for years. And he says, Mom, I don't believe you just said that about your body. Isn't your whole platform Mm. non-diet culture, non-weight loss, love your body, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) I apologize for having said that about my body. I do love my body, you know. So he's been listening. Mm-hmm. We have an episode, if, if we haven't listened to it, we have an episode uh, for our listeners called Let's Not Care What We Weigh. And like, can we actually free ourselves from a lifelong journey of being told that we're yeah. too fat? <laughs> I mean, that's, it's a big question. And one thing we talk a lot about on the podcast is like, that there is this thing we call back to one. So it's like a reset. Mm. A reset without judgment, right? Like It's a reset without yeah, right. judgment, right? That we just, we know where our one is. Our one for me is that I exercise three or four times a week, that I eat food in some moderation, that I'm not like in bed with a full bag of frozen Snickers bars watching Real Housewives. Like too much. That was very specific. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just say, just say that would happen. It was not pulled out of the air. It was based on a real life example. But the thing is, I'm always going to end up at some point back eating bad food in front of reality TV because that is a place I go to when things aren't great. And I don't want to spend my life being like, that's a failure and eating celery while running is success. That there is a place that I can go to that I know is my back to one place. And that some of that involves like putting on clothes and being like, oh, I can't wear this because I have a fat roll from, you know, being the pandemic. Like that thought is never going to leave my mind, I think, at this point of my life. Well, because we've been we've been conditioned by society to have those thoughts. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I hope for our daughters and sons that we're moving to a place where like there are a host of role models who are showing that like you can be sexy at any size and that like being thin is not the most important thing about you. But I don't think I'm ever going to shed that. But that's right. I hope there's a place that I can rest in that's like, oh, come on, I just need to go back to one. I don't need to be so hard on myself. Right. And, you know, I, I go back to being the observer, right? You know, to, to being the observer to yourself on the couch or being the observer to your own thoughts. Right. I know I had that thought and I know it's not true. Right. right. I know I had this emotion. Emotions are not true. <laughs> They're not facts. Right. Yeah. Um, they're just the way that we react. And so I know I had that thought. My my son called me out on it. 
And I'm, that means so much to me that he has been listening and that I have been role modeling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say the right way to think about our bodies, but a healthy way to think about our bodies, to think about fitness. You know, every since he was a baby, he's always gone to the gym with me. And so mm. he's always seen me if it was like through the glass with the, the babysitter person, <laughs> you know, at Bally's or whatever, uh, seeing me swimming. <laughs> um, or later when we joined a gym that he could actually go to and they had a childcare center. And so he could stay there for two hours and play basketball and then play with other kids and just be active and not being like sort of forced to be active and just be his normal kid self. My husband would take him out on, a, on his bike and then later they started playing basketball and soccer on their own. And so it was just this thing that was incorporated into our lives. You know, even now, I don't push sports on him. He loves basketball. I mean, he is 6'4", so <laughs> kind of like go, goes naturally. And he runs on his own. He always, he always used to say, Mom, I'm not a runner. Running, but he runs three or four times a week on his own to help keep himself fit because that's important to him. You know, he even joined my cross-country team. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I don't what he's like well I'm, I'm trying out for cross country I'm like but I thought you didn't okay I'm not gonna say anything because I was so excited and every day that he was uh, in cross country I would be like oh he's still here <laughs> <Wow>. um, <laughs> so that was so that's just something that he does and it's not to lose weight it's not it's just to move his body and I noticed that his mood changes when he hasn't been outside and he hasn't gone yeah. for a run or he hasn't gone to play basketball with with the guys here and uh, <laughs> but as soon as he comes back home he is chatty and to to have the gift of chattiness from a 17 year old yeah. is amazing golden and um, that's yeah. one thing we talk a lot about with our kids is kind of trying to give voice to stuff that we're trying to model because we kind of all know that our children aren't going to do what we say. Our children are going to do what we do, you know, but it's something where I, I try to give voice with my kids to, you know what, I'm going to have a big healthy lunch because I really want to try to go ride my bike a long way later on and connect those things for them without making food. You know, I didn't eat bad food, so now I need to go exercise. It's like, and then also giving voice to man, I had a really stressful day. I, I can tell I'm kind of yelling a lot. I'm going to go out and ride my bike for an hour and see if I feel better when I come back. And then when I come back, man, I feel so much better. You know, that mm. really helped my mood and really trying to put in our children's path the idea that exercise makes you feel really good. Oh, yeah. We, you know, had something, some issues over the summer, some family issues. And, and, I, had, and I talked to him about it. And he was like, okay. And then he disappeared for a couple of hours. And that's, that was his, that's his way of processing difficult family issues is mm -hmm. to go play basketball for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, he felt better. It's a and gift. That's yeah, a gift. Yeah, it's such a gift. To have movement is a gift. Before we wrap, can we talk a little bit? I mean, I brought it up earlier, but I'm thinking of people listening to this. To the mom who really feels like they are really far from their one, that they're really kind of, you know, they're stuck at home, they've got babies, there's a pandemic, you know, maybe they've, uh, speaking for myself, been eating too many mozzarella sticks with ranch dressing. Or hello, <laughs> like it doesn't have to be like motherhood changes our bodies, right? Like our bodies are not what they right. were before we became mothers, even mm -hmm. if we only ate kale and breathed fresh air. We're mm -hmm. going to look different afterwards. So, so right, this doesn't have to be because there was any kind of falling down on your part. You, you just, you look different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. For somebody who just feels like they they've really lost the script in terms of engaging with fitness on any level. That what do you say to that mom who's kind of stuck in that place? 
Number one, acknowledge how you're feeling. Number two, give yourself some grace. Number three, start today. Every single day is an opportunity to start anew. Every single day. You know, a lot of us, particularly at the beginning of a year, for example, will set these like huge unachievable goals for ourselves. And then after a couple of weeks, we d- we quit because we have these very, very like impossible standards for ourselves. You know, take every day, every day as a new opportunity to do something for yourself and to put some health and wellness into the bank for your long-term mm. health and wellness. Again, start small. If, if you only got 10 minutes to do something, use that 10 minutes to do something. Again, meditation, walking, do a couple of squats, relearn how to do push-ups. <laughs> if you have to start on your knees or just start in like cobra position, that's fine too. Give yourself some grace. Allow yourself to start small and mm. to keep building. I love that. I give yourself the grace of the 17 minute mile too, because Mm, that mm. that's, I find that hangs me up so much that feeling of like, well, I'm not good at it. There is, you're good for yourself and you're doing good for yourself. Even if it's at 17 minutes, even if it's at 25 minutes, Myrna, we like to say at the end of our podcast that we solved it. And I feel like you solved it for us. We've got it now. We understand everything. Your bio, you lived up we to your bio. Life. We solved fitness. <laughs> solved Myrna, it. tell us about you, like what you're working on and where we can find you. Oh, I'm working on so many things. And I will tell you about something really exciting. I'm working on a fitness video. Actually, I just shot it uh, two days oh, ago wow. for, um, for Nigel Barker's 31 Days of Fitness on his new fitness channel called Vive V number one VE on Instagram and which will eventually be uh, like a network thing. So I shot a, a workout that's going to be really cool. I'm at The Mernovator on Instagram and Twitter. Also Facebook. I have two public Facebook pages, Fat Girl Running, all one word. And then Myrna Valerio dash The Mernovator. I'm also um, the administrator for a 16,000 member Facebook group called Fat Girl Running. You don't have to be fat. You don't have to be a girl. You don't have to be a runner <laughs> to join. But you do have to be interested in running or walking and, and interested in athleticism over everything everything else and not diet culture, not weight loss. We don't allow that in our um, platform and it's revolutionary. I am working on a second book. <laughs> I started writing a novel during NaNoWriMo National Novel Love Writing it. Month. And so hopefully that will be something. And uh, yeah, I've got lots of speaking things going on. Check out my Instagram. I always uh, announce those things. I teach anti-racism courses and you'll find out about those on my website as well, themernovator.com. Guys, I'll put links to everything Myrna just mentioned right in the show notes for this episode so you can find them uh, more easily. Myrna, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thanks, Myrna. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above 
is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.